0: Social Security is one of the most complex and confusing federal programs. With over 2,700 rules, it's no wonder that we're confused about when and how to start collecting and who to turn to for help. Welcome to Social Security Answers from the Experts, hosted by Martha Shedden. In this podcast series, Martha meets with professionals to provide you with the answers to questions about this most important financial decision. And now, here's your host, President and co-founder of the National Association of Registered Social Security Analysts, Martha Shedden. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great show. I am your host, Martha Shedden, and today I have the pleasure of welcoming Paul Tyler to the podcast. In addition to serving as Chief Marketing Officer at Nassau Financial Group, Paul hosts That Annuity Show, a podcast that covers annuities as well as financial planning and retirement topics. At Nassau, he is currently building a retirement brand, re-engaging independent agents, building a direct-to-consumer channel, and running an insure-tech incubator. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, thank you, Martha. It's a pleasure.
0: It's great to have you here. I see you have a degree in history and a law degree from Cornell Law School. Tell us how you got from there to here. Uh, <laughs> I, I love to hear people's
1: stories. Sure. You know, um, my grandmother actually sold insurance a very, very long time ago, <laughs> oh. but it was this was not, there was no, you know, funny enough, no direct connection um, between what I'm doing. Um, the opportunity to go great to some a great institution, Princeton University, out in uh, New Jersey, a long, long time ago, and uh, majored in history, and then uh, thought, you know, I wanted to go into business, but I thought, you know, maybe. in parents th- also thought it was a great idea to uh, go to law school and and uh, <laughs> get a real job. Um, yeah. But you know, I it, it was interesting. I took uh, I really love business law, and uh, you know, as it would. It so happens it was actually easier for me to find a job in business at that at that juncture than it was in 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 law. I am actually a member of the an inactive member of the state bar of California.
0: Oh, you are.
1: Um, I am, but I really sort of got my career uh, launched in management consulting, doing work in technology uh, for, you know, some telecom companies, Uh uh, and then also insurance, you know, group insurance. And so, you know, one thing led to another. Um, I think when I started consulting for one of the large insurance companies, I I didn't know the difference between actuary and underwriter. I actually mistakenly called an actuary and underwriter once. I was put in my place. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty, pretty, pretty swiftly. Um, So, yeah, I I worked, uh, ended up um, working for, uh, you know, MetLife for a number of years in a bunch of different positions. Um, You kind of name it in the insurance business. I worked in it, which probably in about 2005 looked like kind of a a dog-eared resume. But, you know, fast forward to a digital age, it's really helped to understand really have sort of soup to nuts view of, of how the machine works, because as we're, as consumer expectations of service have gone up, agents' expectations have gone up, you know, to create an experience that is, feels somewhat, (laughs) if not always, uh, coherent. Um, you really, you need to understand, you know, if I turn this switch off here, what happens in the, in the next room?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's complicated. Yes. And I've, interviewed others who uh, went through law school too, and then went into different things. And actually my dad was an attorney and a, and a superior court judge. And it, it's just a, a wonderful background for so many uh, different,
1: different. Oh, it, it absolutely guys. is. Well, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, especially in, in business like ours, which, you know, you think at the end of the day, we're, what are we really selling? It's, you know, if you really look at it technically, we're selling, we're selling a is it a contract? But then a contract kind of quickly turns into computer code, or is it the computer code to find the contract? It's technology yeah. and, and law and regulation all kind of converge in this business uh, yeah. you know, in a broad sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when you say you're building a retirement brand, what does that mean for independent agents and consumers? What's encompassed in that service through your company?
1: Yeah, sure. Well, um, our company, I, I tell people our company is a 180-year-old startup, and that usually gets a few laughs. Um, uh, it, NASA Financial Group is only six years old at this point. You know, I knew the, the uh, two founders before I, I joined, um, and they raised money to acquire Phoenix Life Insurance Company, a couple other companies uh, in 2016 and 2017. And um, so really, I had the kind of privilege to Build a brand from scratch, you know. um, Obviously, with some other people with a with some other people having a fairly heavy um, (laughs) influence on the on the direction. Um, But so we we've really tried to build a brand that you know stands for bills. You know, takes the best things from the past. I mean, Phoenix Life Insurance Company insured Abraham Lincoln and actually paid the claim when he uh, was unfortunately assassinated. Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. So the companies we've acquired have incredibly rich history of serving policyholders, serving agents, uh, serving the community. And so, how do you take the old, take the best of the old, and and the best of the new, and build something that's that people have agents, consumers, rating agencies, investors have confidence in? You know, for the next hundred years. So it's been fun. It's been a fun journey. Yeah.
0: Yeah annuities still uh, seem to be misunderstood. They illustrate <laughs> a very strong positive or negative reaction. So why is that?
1: Yeah, you know, I would say, uh, what do they say about squirrels? Is The difference between a squirrel and a rat, a squirrel has a better PR person. I think- uh- <laughs> I think somewhere along the line, the <laughs> insurance companies didn't hire the right person, you know, because honestly, Martha, <laughs> it's people will split hairs with me, but you know, everybody owns an annuity, you know, it's called social security.
0: Exactly. I was just going to say that.
1: Yeah. It, it, this is an annuity, right? You, yeah,
0: you're paying you, into it. You are paying
1: in <laughs> and you eventually, you know, at a certain point you can turn it on at a certain age it's probably a smart thing to turn on. And then at a, you know, 72, boy, you've got to have started taking money out of these things or you know, the IRS is going to come after you. So, And by the way, the income lasts as long as you live. That's- That's the definition. Yeah. Definition of annuity. I think a lot of confusion. I think there's a lot of confusion because I would attribute it. I'd be interested in your perspective to just the nature of the baby boom generation, sure. right? You think of- how much impact this one generation has had on the economy, on investments, on housing, now in healthcare, senior healthcare. Um, I think we saw the same sort of phenomenon where, you know, 20, 30 years, I mean, if you looked at where people were investing their money, you know, I'd argue it was all in that accumulation phase. So everything, if you put money to an institution, it felt like it should be an investment. And really, annuities just aren't investments, they're insurance. And this is a hard... Concept to communicate with people. they say, Well, what's the ROI? You know, it's oh, that expensive. What's, well, what's the return on this thing? Well, Martha, what I tell them is, what was your ROI in your homeowners insurance last year? Oh, it was wasn't it was negative. That's a good thing. Boy, I bet if your house had burned down and it was replaced, you would have had a great deal that year. Uh-huh. And and really, you know, annuities at their heart. I kind of describe them as um. Protection—they're all about protecting your assets from these crazy market declines. Now, right. oh great, but Paul, the market's gone up and up and up and up, and I only got credited this much percent. Well, Martha, eventually you'll see a, a bump. but Well, you, I, but yeah. I didn't. I, yeah. Oh, <laughs> welcome to, to 2022. Yeah. Here it is. You know, and if you were if you retired last year, this was not a good thing. If you had all your money in a 401k.
0: Yeah. You don't want to be taking it out now. Um, No. So I I wonder if it's just the way, I mean, I work with a reverse mortgage specialist too. Okay. And same thing. Those have, they're now federally insured. um, They're very protected. They're a wonderful retirement tool that you should consider and be educated about. And that's how I think annuities are. There's, they used to be, well, not that they used to be bad, but you should just know what you're getting into and know the details and what it's costing you. And, but that comfort of having that guaranteed check for the rest of your life is invaluable.
1: Well, it, it is. And and I think um, how do some of these, you know, products like news get bad names? Unfortunately, you know, anytime you're working with money, it, you end up attracting a few bad people. You know, unfortunately, if it's, you know, managing a, a cash registers, though now everybody's, you know, all the payments are, are touchless, but, or cashless, but, you know, it's, there's a reason there's a camera on the till. And I think, uh, you know, a challenge in our business has been, uh, you know, all it takes is one or two agents who are, you know, misrepresent the products, uh, take advantage of seniors, as you know, it's, elder abuse is a big issue in this country. So I think just the nature of the business can attract, enough people that you end up with a tarnished reputation for all the people who are, are doing good things in that, um, commissions, you know, commissions, it's interesting. I've had a lot of discussion about, you know, I'm sure you're, you're involved as people have passion debates about which commission structure is good or bad. I think my opinion is it all depends, depends what the client needs are and what the services are that are, are promoted. But I've usually seen commissions on products, um, in direct relation to how complicated the sale is. So if you looked at some of the earlier fixed index annuities, say in the you know, early 2000s, the commission structure was relatively high for the product. And I think a lot of people looked at the commissions and said, oh my gosh, they're paying how much to set up an annuity like this? Well, it probably took a lot of explanation for those clients in 2002 to explain how fixed in, or three, what a fixed index annuity worked okay. versus today got a lot of education you've got wonderful websites it's a less complicated sale and the commissions tend to go down i've i've seen this happen in you know mutual funds you remember i mean mutual funds i think used to have seven percent eight percent loads at one point um you know now what are they you know next to nothing variable yeah. annuities same thing went down i uh, was seeing the same thing in fixed index annuities um you mentioned home um uh, reverse mortgages, that was one of the first knocks on the reverse nor- mortgages was the origination fees were so high. Well, you know, they've come down. People people like you on the show are helping educate people about it. And it's not so complicated when you you're, you show up yeah. at somebody's house or explain a product. So um, I think people, especially over the next five or 10 years, are going to look at annuities a lot differently yeah. than they they have in the past. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you're right. It is a huge, the biggest component is education of it. It's it's like social security. Once I start explaining in layman's terms, what's at stake and what applies to you personally, you get it and then you understand why you need help making that decision. So I see that you are a member of the American Portfolios Advisory Board.
1: Yes, I am.
0: A number of uh, American Portfolio members who've become, analysts and because they see the need for social security expertise and planning for retirement, how much of an emphasis do you see most of your independent advisors placing on social security education and making that smart claiming decision?
1: Oh, I think it's enormous. Um, I think it's an enormous role that these advisors play. Now, of course, as you know, every advisor has a different business model and has a slightly different approach to how they're uh, addressing it. American Portfolios is a great company. You know, I think it's great. Uh, some of the, your advisors are, uh, the advisors are working with you. Um, uh, great firm. For those of people who don't know, American Portfolios is uh, out of Holbrook, New York, and, and Long Island. But, uh Alon Dauber, who's the CEO, has just done, a, and his team has just done a, a great job um, doing the right thing, you know, for the clients, the right thing for the agents uh, over an extended period of time. Uh, haven't grown very quickly. Haven't, you know. Um, let me describe it. They've been very careful in who they recruit and how they recruit. Um, I see. Good. And uh, it's a very planning-focused uh, uh, organization. They are. Um, yes. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lon and his team have been very uh, forward-looking and bringing in, you know, companies with interesting, you know, platforms that help people, na- you know, help advisors navigate these situations. Because, as you know, it's complicated to walk somebody through uh, either planning to when they're going to take Social Security, how they're going to do this, how do you take your RMDs, how do you, you know, right. the optimization is an enormously complex task.
0: It is. It is. It's the more when i first started working with social security i didn't understand the full extent of how that is tied in with all those other decisions and it goes on and on when you consider taxation of different account types and withdrawals and
1: right oh i have to pay my health care out of social security yes oh, oh my by the way security- Taxed. I'm taxed on social yeah. security. So where are your other sources of income? And yeah. Martha, I'm not even to pretend to be an expert. I know enough to say, you need to talk <laughs> to somebody. Yeah.
0: That's a good thing to know though.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, as you know, there's some important dates, 59 and a half, right?
0: You can take out. Yeah, that's take right. Take
1: out money from your, non, your qualified accounts without the IRS penalty. Okay. Do I take it then? Oh, 62. Oh, great. You can start taking your social security. Well, Paul, maybe, but you don't, I don't know. How long, you know, how long, when are you going to die and how long are you stay dead? I don't know. So maybe it <laughs> should, maybe it should bridge might have a bridge strategy, right? till my, my uh, full retirement age, and then this interesting, um, you know, extension of the RMD rules, right? With, uh, or age with the secure act. I mean, I don't know what you think. People looked at it and said, I don't know, two years is going to make a difference. I would say if you're on that cusp right now, this year, it was a good thing to extend it a couple of years.
0: Yeah. And I hear it might even, they're considering going up quite a bit farther, maybe even 75.
1: Oh, I I hope. If I could wave a wand and change one thing of social security, be getting rid of that that RMD rule, because I think it just my personal feeling is this is just one other way that you end up taxing people who... Did the right thing. They went to work every day. They saved money. And okay, yeah, that's it.
0: Yeah. So I have a question for you because I consider I'm, my kitty's helping me talk with you. Um, social security being an annuity. So I want to talk about if we were to evaluate an average person's contribution to social security, that's the 6.2% um, up to the current... Me- taxable max, which is 147000 and then the employer is contributing that. What would be a good return on those funds? I guess we we need to factor in the additional 6.2. So if you're thinking uh, from the employer, so if you're thinking 12.4 is being put in from their payroll every year, what kind of an annuity would that give you? Because I know how much some people... Get in Social Security over their lifetimes,
1: right? Right.
0: Do you see what I'm?
1: Yeah. If you were to compare Social Security to a, a a typical annuity, is that what you're?
0: Kind of. Yeah. That's
1: a really good question. And um,
0: I mean, what would you? Okay, let me ask it this way: What would I need to pay for an annuity now to receive a total lifetime amount of like five or six hundred thousand dollars?
1: You know, I typically think of it in terms of monthly income. How what would that translate to monthly income?
0: Oh, so, um, how about three thousand a month?
1: Okay, so three thousand a month. Thirty
0: thousand um, a year.
1: Yeah, so thirty thousand. Let's see. Um, let me think if I can do that. Six. Again, it, almost all these questions.
0: Yeah. No. Answers.
1: Just- it depends. So um, for annuities, you know, we actually have a product that is. Let me describe sort of the classes of annuities today, right? Okay. I would say the ones that most people are buying are annuities that either start paying income almost immediately, so we and we actually you know our company has a product. Geared specifically to people who are trying to bridge to Social Security, so we actually end up doing a lot of work in the federal space. So, federal employees can I think retire at fifty eight. Um, if I'm fifty seven or fifty eight, well, that's great. You do that, but then you can't. Great. Right, when do you actually want to start taking your Social Security? And um, so we have a product that if you put the money in and you turn it on and sort of ter- take this lifetime income benefit, it's it's relatively high. So if you think. If you were taking out, say, and I'm going to do this in rough, rough approximation. If you had $100,000, put it into one of these, your six, say 62, let's say 60, turn it on. Um, that $100,000 may turn into maybe a $6,000 a year payout, okay? 6000 so a year. 6000 a year. Now, to get your, so to get your $30,000, let us just multiply that 100 times. It's about 500000 okay? To take it now at 62. Now, if you say, Paul, but I'm going to give you the money and I'm going to wait 10 years to turn it on, right? Because people will say, look, I want to take the money out of my 401k, put it here. Just, I want to take a chunk of it and put it here, to keep it safe. If you wait 10 years, kind of like social security, you'll get more. So that 6,000 may turn into eight or nine. Okay. Okay. And then some are even longer periods, like 15%, right?
0: if you set it up years. when you're younger and you're not taking it for
1: yeah younger meaning uh you're probably in your late 50s this is not a product you'd want to put somebody in their 30s in because you're going to get some market uh, you know accumulation all these products have different formulas in terms of how right, what the accumulation right. factor is exactly. you know some are a little more you know some have higher gear, you know it, it's all it, these products are like you know waterbeds you know listen if i push down here <laughs> It's going to go up here. So if I, I may give you higher guarantees, but there's the money's not going to, you know, your accumulation account's not going to grow, and you're not going to have potentially higher uh, growth later. Oh, I'm going to allow your account to have a higher growth potential. Guess what? Your guaranteed payments are going to be lower. So this could range anywhere from you know a hundred thousand dollars could range from like six thousand dollars for your lifetime all the way up until maybe. 10 i've seen illustrations as high as 10 or 11. Now now the good news for retirees and I think if there's one bright spot in inflation and uh, in interest rates the fact that interest rates are going up it allows the industry as a whole to go out and actually offer higher accumulation rates on these products.
0: Okay, that's a so, good
1: thing. Yeah, so you know you're thinking about this over the next year good news is you actually may the products may actually may have higher guarantees if you want the guarantees. Okay. So I like guaranteeing
0: Yeah. So I would say for those of us who have been paying into social security since we were in our twenties or earlier, and that amount is actually, you can see it on your statement, what you and the employer put in is relatively small compared to what we potentially get out for the rest of our lives.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: My next question is about insure tech. What is an insure tech incubator? I've heard that term now more and more. What is InsureTech?
1: tech? Yeah, well, um, if you remember fintech, fintech started. Uh, you know, this whole sort of fintech—I um, don't know what you call it—movement, um, sort of evolution of finance it started. I would say probably around two thousand nine, two thousand ten, when okay. you know, internet started. To, everybody suddenly has a website. Everybody has a phone. Cloud services like Amazon, Azure. You know, Google Cloud start to come up enable a lot of startups to do some really interesting things with payments, right? Yeah. you know, think of Zelle, think of, um, uh, you know, Venmo is probably a little earlier. there have been a whole revolution on the payments, uh, you know, yeah. side of payments. Like, why should, why should it cost me three percent of every transaction to be sent to Mastercard or Visa? Um yeah. Yeah. so I think if you look at a lot of the you know the payments people are accustomed to right now, that came out of sort of the whole fintech uh movement that was really taking advantage of new technology, new cloud, open source uh software, new buyer behavior, mobile phones, mm-hmm. that was just payments. Um, you know, guess what? The insurance industry is ripe for uh innovation at the same time. You know, we have these massively old legacy systems. You know, we can barely, you know, we take ACHs, <laughs> you know, that's our payment structure. And um, I think starting, you know, sort of the 2011, 2012, a lot of people who were involved in FinTech moved over to the insurance space. The insurance companies and a lot of people said, you know, this is probably the time we should start looking and seeing how can we change the products we offer, the services that we provide to people. And, um and, you know, take them to the next next step, make it cheaper, faster, quicker for people to get coverage. So, you know, lots happened. You know, I think the property and casualty side saw um, probably the, the quickest amount of change. You know, if, if you go to buy uh, car insurance, you'll, you'll be a beneficiary. You, you basically give your number now and your car and suddenly all your information is there. It's very easy to apply for, yeah. for auto insurance. Take a picture on your phone, file a claim. So life insurance... You know, has sort of changed next annuities, and the whole whole retirement space is is uh, following suit. So, in Hartford, we uh, three and a half years ago we launched an incubator. We had a beautiful building in the middle of Hartford, a lot of empty space. Um, We renovated the building, and um, at the time, uh, you know, Hartford still has a very big insurance cluster there. Um, We had. Some very far-sighted uh, politicians and regulators who said let's let's kind of re- try to reinvent the community around innovation and um, technology and risk management. So just before COVID, I mean, we had you know five incubators running in downtown Hartford, and we were effect- we've been effectively almost uh, sort of a a catcher of some of the bigger startups that have the better startups that have chances, you know, that really want to invest time in building relationships uh, in Hartford. Now during pandemic and post pandemic, we focused all our energy in retirement space. So we actually have uh, an event, I'm not sure the timing of of when this uh, happens, but uh, on the uh, 22nd of June, um, we have a retire tech event. So 11 to six, we have um, four or five, Panel discussions. We've got carriers, startups, uh, service providers, technology vendors, some real interesting, you know, thinkers in the space, all talking about these issues. Martha, how do we make it easier for people, easier to find people who need help, easier to serve them? You know, some of the platforms I'm sure that yeah. you're working with and your people are, are represented there. So that's
0: a in-person conference, Paul?
1: Uh, in person. We also have a virtual option. So if you're interested, I'd love to have you yeah. uh you know participate in any I, of those sessions.
0: Yeah, that's okay. I understand now. It's just that whole technology as it affects each segment of our society, is
1: it does. And we'll have uh, you know, Cheryl O'Connor from Income Conductor. I'm not sure if you you know Cheryl. She'll be there. Um, we have uh, some representatives from Lifefield. You know, these are all software platforms focused on um, taking social security and um, and other retirement assets and sort of building online plans to help people optimize their their income. Um, we have uh, uh, David Dooley coming up who um, worked with a with one of our uh, other competitors to build a writer on a product that will actually kick in if social security rules, take money, changes in the policy, take money away from your social security payments. It's kind of interesting. I've never seen a rider guarantee a public policy before.
0: That's interesting. Well, because that has the potential of coming around. Hopefully it won't, but-
1: Hopefully it won't. I mean, what do you think? Needs-based testing, is that in the future?
0: Uh, You know, what I'm seeing mostly is the raise in the cap on earnings. Okay reason that they're at 137000 you know, that has not risen over the years. It goes up every year, but it has not gone up in relationship to wages and earnings. So
1: Yeah. yeah we, you know, we've seen the changes, right? F, you know, this all goes back, I think to 1985, but the full retirement age has shifted. Um, this yeah. is not a static program.
0: No, it's <laughs> not. No, it does. I mean, yeah, the 1983 amendments were- 83. Late that's what we're using up the surplus of those funds that came into the trust fund, thanks to those amendments that were set up and that extended the program as long, you know, from 83. So they did some wise planning back then. And I hope that's going to happen again soon. Speaking of that, if you had the power to decide how to make the social security program uh, last into the indefinite future, what changes would you make given what you understand about it?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, people are are very worried about what will happen. When is the date? It's now
0: going... estimated for uh, about twenty thirty five.
1: Twenty thirty five. Uh, yeah, it kind of goes. Seems to 30
0: 34 30,
1: Yeah, it kind of goes in here. I I don't think this will be like a Y. This I don't think this will be a Y two K event. You know, for no, social. No,
0: I don't. Well, I personally don't think we're going to let that happen that and at that time it's just a matter of the surplus has run out and so it goes back to pay as you go right so, meaning the number of workers are paying for the number of beneficiaries and there's not enough workers so that's about a 20% cut but i can't imagine anyone in congress allowing you know that's just not going to happen there's yeah. more, and more movement on it and uh more proposals and there's such huge support for Social Security. There's so many parts of it that can be changed to continue make it, you know, help it last.
1: So. Right. I would not do well as a politician because I think <laughs> it's probably to make this thing, you know, last a, a number of years. You probably have to extend the the full retirement age, right? Which, you know, I could see the. I think for me, it's sixty-eight or sixty-nine. I Sixty-seven. Like, Sixty-seven. Future, right.
0: 1960 and after, their
1: full retirement age is 67. seven. Seven. Um, see, you're helping me. You're helping me. This is great. <laughs> this is great. So 67, right? I could see, you know, 70 being the new 67 easily. Push that out. Um, I could see means testing, you know, coming in. I could see taxes going up. I could see taxes going up on money coming out. I could see taxes money coming in. I, I don't think... I don't think it'll go away, but I think you've got to take the benefits down. Um, and I think this is a problem that a lot of municipalities are going to face very, very soon. You know, it was easy to make promises to workers 20, 30 years yeah, ago. Yes, about yeah. what they're going to deliver in the future. But it's um, it's just not going to be sustainable. It's somebody somebody's going to have to make some hard decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just not sure that in a, our current political system that anybody's going to want to address it
0: i know it's we're in a really bad situation right now but there is yeah i'm hopeful i'm an optimist and i uh, you know that has been around for 87 years has something going for it there's just such huge support for it so oh yeah
1: I- it's uh it's critical you know do we find funds from other you know parts of the budget you know defense budget well you know it's up until yeah. <laughs> January, I might have been in favor of it or February, but. Um,
0: it's always been based, though, on the workers' earnings. And yeah. I'm strongly in favor of not messing with that fact about it. You know, it's our work and our contributions into that that account, that trust, yeah. what it is. So. I should be wrapping this up here, but it's really fun to talk to you. What, Based on your experience and knowledge, what what do you think are the top two or three most important takeaways for people approaching retirement, whether that has to do with something you work with, Social Security, just retirement planning in general?
1: Yeah, well, very self centeredly, I think it's important that people need to start taking risk off the table as they approach uh, retirement age, and I do think that's the role of new. You know, there are few products that or approaches that work better than annuities because, um, at the end of the day, we're you know the, what what carriers can do is is share mortality credits, meaning somebody take any group of population, some people are going to live longer than others, and um, the power of pulling that mortality risk is substantial. Gotcha. And I think uh, don't put all your, don't take your entire nest egg into an annuities, put a little bit, start putting a little bit as you get closer to retirement, just to take the, the, the market risk out of the equation. I think that's kind of my big, the biggest message, Martha, I try to bring people. I also think um, you've got to approach this stuff holistically. So, you know, what are the big issues? Your social security, timing, when am I going to take it? When I'm going to not? What am I going to do with my house? You mentioned reverse mortgages. That's you know probably the second biggest asset everybody has. Yeah. What are you going to do with your home? You know, you one part you got if you've got a lot of equity tied up there. Option one, which most people take, is well sell the big house. By the smaller one, where I cut my taxes, you know, by moving someplace. But there are some also some other interesting op- options. You mentioned uh, home equity loans. I think that's a a real interesting opportunity where you you can maybe stay, stay live in place longer. Healthcare. How are you going to pay for healthcare uh, afterwards? Uh, people don't realize they have to pay for healthcare, and even when they're paying for it, there's some very complicated decisions at 65 when you have to say, "Am I?" going to go with Medicare, Medicare supplement, or I'm going to go to MedAdvantage. And that has impact on how are you going to live and where you you will be. So it's not a, this is a puzzle. Oh yeah. And by the way, then there's annuities, annuities are in there, they help, but you've got to have a bigger, broader plan. And I think that would be my big um, recommendation to people is start thinking now, you know, the sooner you think about it and start working through it, the easier it will be. And it won't, you won't be, uh, feel like you're running off a cliff.
0: Right. Right. Find someone who can help you and get that peace of mind, which you see, I see when I help people with their social security, they have such, they relax when they know what to get, you know, so, um, well, great. Where can people go to learn more about you and your company?
1: Sure. Um, LinkedIn is great. It's, uh, you know, Paul D. Tyler on LinkedIn. Um, Our company, uh, NASA Financial Group is uh, nfg.com. Oh, that's easy. Yeah. NFG.com. So yeah, we got a good URL. That's that's (laughs) Um, Yeah, we have a lot of education there and we're happy to, you know, happy to help and and give advice or not advice, but as keep my attorneys happy, give you information and help connect you with advisors who will, uh, uh, you know, help you navigate some of these complicated issues.
0: Great. Well, Thank you so much. This is valuable information, and I appreciate you sharing with our listeners. And that's it for today. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Please tune in every Wednesday for new episodes where our expert guests share a wide variety of knowledge on retirement-related topics. See you next week.